0: The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.
1: Welcome to Love It or Leave It back in the closet elect. That incredible song, The Last of the Year, sent in by Nicholas Howard. If you want to make a Back in the Closet elect theme song, please send it to Crooked.com. That's Crooked.com. They have all been incredible, each one different, each one bringing kind of its own vibe. I think that's great. Before we start the show, Crooked just released a new podcast in collaboration with Tenderfoot TV called Gaining Ground, The New Georgia. It's hosted by Atlanta natives Jewel Wicker and Rembert Brown, and it will be telling the story of these incredibly important Georgia runoffs in real time. This multi-part podcast will visit the front lines with Jewel and Rembert as they detail the struggles and triumphs that led to this moment and hear from the organizers, strategists, and voters hoping to change the South forever. The trailer and first episode are out now, so go check it out and subscribe to Gaining Ground, the New Georgia, wherever you get your podcast. It's an excellent show. Also, yesterday, Unholier Than Now released a very special holiday episode with Cricket Media alum Brittany Packnett Cunningham. It's a fantastic conversation with Philip and Brittany about Jesus Christ and social justice. Check it out and make sure you subscribe to Unholier Than Now wherever you get your podcasts. Later in the show, we are joined by Sam Park, the first openly gay man to be elected to the Georgia legislature to talk about those races, and we're joined by Michaela Watkins, Louis Vertel, Alice Wetterland, Guy Branham, and Akilah Hughes, returning champions all, for a very special award show to round out the year. But first, back for our last show of the year, comedian, writer, and host of, you know, various segments, uh, we come and go. They come and they go. They come, they go. Returning champion, Emily Heller.
2: Hello. Yeah, I've got multiple segments. That's true. One of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like how you were trying to diminish my accomplishments, but really what you did was falsified my record to make it sound like I have more than one segment that I do regularly.
1: Whatever. (laughs) You wanna know something? I'm gonna tell you something. You know what? I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save this this data point for later. Okay. It's gonna please you too much. I wanna save it for the end. Let's get into it.
2: Woodward over here just sitting <laughs> on info.
1: What a year. <laughs> this is our final love it or leave it of 2020. And boy, is my small talk on Zoom tired. <laughs> boy, are my edibles tired boy are the awkward first sentences of emails from people who are getting back in touch tired boy am i tired boy is my playstation tired boy am i feeling burnt out of this period boy do i feel a sense of great loss over what took place over the course of this past year boy am i like many people grappling with depression boy is this depression widespread and especially pernicious because of how hard it is to describe it apart from the ways in which this year has isolated and broken us boy are we going through a period of trauma as a nation that we'll be addressing for years boy has it hit some of us harder than others boy are we not able to understand it because we're still inside of it take my 2020 please
2: (sighs) do you feel better
1: yeah I feel good I feel okay I'm getting it out we're getting it out in this episode
2: it's just so wild to think about the fact that when it turns January 1st 2021 none of these problems are going to be around anymore
1: that's like the coolest thing about it yeah that's the coolest thing about Ug 2020 culture is how effective it is at keeping the problems cordoned into this year. That's what I love about it.
2: I think what's fun for me to think about is, like, do you remember in 1999 when we were like, oh, my gosh, it's about to be the year 2000 and we might be leaving behind everything like Y2K (laughs) might wipe out life as we know it that would be bad question mark and now we're like that would be so great
1: yeah it's like oh russian hackers took over all our networks wipe them clean (laughs) Wipe fresh wipe them clean
2: step on me daddy
1: (laughs) uh we're gonna go through the events of this year but i did want to talk about a few big stories that happened this week first of all most importantly what everyone's talking about Pornhub purged all unverified content from its website.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, now when you visit Pornhub, you can be confident that you will see only blue checkmark pornography. So your so your porn has titles like support empowered threesomes and we need more female doms. <laughs> all for you. All for you. This stepmom is a whole mood. <laughs>
2: is the is the point of that joke that like um blue check marks are just constantly appropriating uh the language of black twitter
1: it seems it seems yes yeah yes that is it that is basically it that is basically it yeah this is our holiday episode <laughs> hi families together for the holidays yeah, obviously just, not together together but you know
2: you've got your yule log on you've turned on the podcast you're ready to <laughs> sit around and and laugh about the news <laughs>
1: Pharmacists reported and the FDA confirmed that vials of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine contain more doses than expected, which means there are more available doses of the vaccine than we thought. Apparently, Emily, this is like a normal thing. Doesn't explain why everyone's acting so surprised, though. It's a real-life Hanukkah. Uh, The oil lasted eight nights. The vaccine has extra doses. And it's a huge win for Jews who went to med school. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, maybe now your parents will get off your back.
1: (laughs) Is this good enough, mom? I found (laughs) extra vaccine. (laughs) Pretty cool.
2: It is pretty cool. It's the only time, like, I usually think about, like, extra doses sneaking up on you as a bad thing, just as a weed user.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yes. Like, (laughs) I also just, I just like the idea that, like, the same ethos we apply to, hey, there's a little bit of sauce left in both of these jars. I think it's enough for one meal. <laughs> <laughs> it's close. It's close. But I think we can do it. I think we can do it. I think that's exciting. I love that. Yeah. I love that about sauce. I'm
2: worried about the hoarding this is going to enable in people I love who are just going to be like, don't throw it out.
1: <laughs> the other thing I was thinking, too, is that like, whenever I see news like this, what I immediately think is like, shifty people are calling up their doctors and being like, if there's a little bit left at the bottom. Can we can we talk about it? Can we talk about a little bit of, I just want a little bit of that, whatever you got there at the bottom of those vials. Can you maybe put that aside for me?
2: Yeah, just uh, earmark it. Yeah. Who is the first, the first person who found it? Do you think it was an automatic, like, I'm going to tell someone or just like, let me get a taste first? <laughs>
1: Wet my beak a little. Yeah. I've been working hard. I've been working hard. I'm giving people these vaccines. It's a little taste for me. Yeah. Little taste, little taste for Dr. Smith. <laughs> maybe it's Dr. Smith's turn.
2: I like how all the doctors are Jewish except for this one in the way you're
1: I want about you to it. know I'm so glad that you pointed <laughs> that out because I made a very specific choice, which while I did want to make him a Dr. Bergstein, a Dr. Goldbaum, I decided that even though I had briefly referred to Jewish doctors near moments, mere moments ago yeah. in this joke, in this moment, I was not going to concede to anti-Semitic ancient stereotypes yeah. of greedy, shifty Jews.
2: Uh, miserly hoarding of wealth. No. No.
1: No. No. <laughs> Not today. That doctor is a Lutheran. (laughs) All right, you hear me? The doctor thinking about stealing some vaccine from the bottom. In my imagination, in this case, was Lutheran. (laughs) Mike Pence is scheduled to receive the vaccine tomorrow. It will be filmed so that a positive message can be sent to the whole country. And that message? Mike Pence has blood.
2: think a vaccine would prove that like you stick a needle full of vaccine into a sponge it'll still like absorb it it's not proof that the sponge has blood (laughs) no but
1: they gotta they gotta put the no they'll put a little band-aid on you'll put you know they'll go through yeah i guess you're right it could be a performance it could be a performance (laughs) on wednesday president emmanuel macron of france tested how do you say positive for the coronavirus
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like that one a lot. <laughs> I was so in love with that joke that it just now, but the content of it, just hit me. I didn't realize he had That's actually I
1: didn't upsetting. Either. <laughs> I know, it is upsetting. And I didn't, when I first read it, I was so, I was tickled by it as well. And of course, here's the thing, the combination of the grim reality of the crisis, both economic and health-wise, and the fact that it's remote in some sense, for those of us that have been really at home, I've become darker. I've been willing to go darker just in jokes just because everything is so grim and it all feels so remote. It exists in a screen. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think people who are, like, face-to-face with it, doctors always have gallows humor and then people who are removed from it also have humor. It's getting harder and harder to, like, escape from this at any point because now Macron has it. Like, Emily in Paris, they're going to have to talk about it.
1: (laughs) So... First of all, I've talked about this before, but I am really not excited for the first action movie that has like Vin Diesel or The Rock or like Chris Pine saying something like, this thing makes coronavirus look like the common cold, you know? like oh, this yeah. <laughs> like like there's like the the pandemic uh, uh, villains coming mm-hmm. for us in films is gonna be very, very, very taxing. I also think there's a whole bunch of stuff that was made, like the, like all these movies that are gonna come on HBO Max. Uh, to fuck those directors uh,
3: to really fuck them <laughs>
1: <laughs> as Warner wanted but, but all those things that are going to come to HBO Max or all the, the movies that were shot before but are going to be delayed like they're going to exist in this strange reality that's like post-pandemic but where the pandemic doesn't exist
2: yeah I think people are just not going to reference the pandemic as much as we worry that they will in television
1: yeah I think that's right
2: I think if there's one thing that we've learned from the pandemic is that like We watch TV shows that are 20 years old. And so I think people making TV are like, I don't want to watch an episode of Raymond about the Monica Lewinsky scandal.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair.
2: (laughs) I'm just assuming everyone's thinking about this the way I am, which is like comparing yourself to Philip Rosenthal, creator of Everybody Loves Raymond, and thinking what would Absolutely. he do when he's in
1: Absolutely. I think it's a good thing to think about, right? You know, it's like he makes Raymond, he makes pizzas in his brick oven. It's very exciting. <laughs> Senator, <laughs> I'm going to give you two versions of this joke. You can decide which one uh, we should have done. Okay. Senator Mitch McConnell finally acknowledged Joe Biden's victory in the presidential election, saying he would honor the will of the voters until Republicans impeach in 2023. Not really a joke. Half a joke. joke. Similar vibe. Here we go. Senator Mitch McConnell finally acknowledged Joe Biden's victory in the presidential election. The bad news. McConnell says it's already too late in his term for Biden to nominate judges. (laughs) I think that's stronger. I think it's a little bit stronger. It's more fun. It's more fun.
2: It's and dark. Very dark.
1: President Trump's neighbors at Mar-a-Lago are trying to block him from moving there after he vacates the White House next month. They must have heard his speech about having to flush 15 times.
2: (laughs) For someone who is so obsessed with how people think of him, the fact that he is so open about how giant his turds are, how giant and loose his turds are, <laughs> is just so you know, incredible to me. It's a
1: in ways large and small. His narcissism is his own undoing. He just thinks that's what poops are. <laughs>
2: yeah, and then his also he's like now obsessed with like. Water pressure in the shower, and I'm convinced it's because he has to shower after he takes a shit because it's, it's such a pain job. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really surprised me. Really surprised me with pain
2: jobs. Hat tip to Tim Robinson. <laughs>
4: That is so funny. All it's
1: right. just
2: like a Jackson Pollock in there.
1: <laughs> uh, shit's so bad he has to wash his hair. Uh, pre- <laughs> like a baby
2: with a diaper. It's a blowout every time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Yule log is burning. There's presents beneath the tree. And what's that coming out of the uh, the Sonos? What's that on the Alexa?
2: We're talking about Trump's Yule log.
1: In other news, President-elect Joe Biden picked Pete Buttigieg as his nomination for transportation secretary. Amy Klobuchar, who sits on the committee that would oversee transportation, tweeted this. Congratulations, Pete Buttigieg, from roads to rail. There is so much to be done, and I'm looking forward to working with you. I know you will bring both your big ideas and your local government experience to the job. John and I look forward to welcoming you and Chastin to Washington. Is that a dig?
2: I mean, yeah. So close. It's,
1: I think it is. Yeah.
2: I'm like, I'm not going to like ask a straight man if it's a dig because he'll say no, but you and I know. But
1: we know. We know. It is. That's right. That's right. That's the power of being a straight man. That wouldn't phase you. You'd say, thank you. Let's have that dinner. Yeah, but the combination of the local government local experience government and the government
2: experience,
1: yeah, and the welcome to Washington.
2: Oh yeah, I love, I love.
1: <laughs> but it, there's plausible deniability for Amy too. I respect the hell out of it. Absolutely, I respect the hell out of it's it. It's
2: a very Minnesota way of being a bitch.
1: Let bygones be bygones, you know.
2: I think it's fun.
1: It is fun. I hope it continues. You're right.
2: I mean, it's like, okay, when you watch a TV show and two characters have like that kind of relationship, are you ever like, hey, would you knock it off? No, you're like, get, yeah, along. get Get those two people on screen together.
1: Yes, you. I guess it is true. However, it is thrilling in year six or seven when there's the bottle episode and they're both trapped in the elevator and they realize they have to join forces.
2: Right. You know? Yeah.
1: So maybe that's where we're heading. And in this case, the bottle episode is light rail. <laughs> according to a report in politico trump appointed science advisor paul alexander wrote in a july 4th email happy independence day that COVID 19 should be allowed to spread uncontrolled in the u.s in order to establish herd immunity in his words quote we want them infected end quote congrats to trump it is the one plan he ever successfully followed through on
2: promises made promises kept
1: unbelievable it's so awful it's almost as if that was their um, – I don't know how you would say it. It's like their their last solution, their final <laughs> fix. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Like there's a way to – something like that. So anyway, I, moving I, I on. I feel like
2: if you could just come up with like a really catchy name for it, people might have gotten on board, literally on board, <laughs> all aboard. Uh, oh, God, really bad holiday. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Merry
1: Christmas. Merry Christmas. But, Emily – This is our last show of the year and it's hard to believe how much has happened. Remember in January when we impeached the president? Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when Pete... Won the Iowa caucuses, but was also accused of a conspiracy theory that would mean he wanted us to not know he won, thereby denying him any momentum from the win. And then a bunch of people on Twitter started crafting more and more elaborate theories, including one that actually involved me, one of the puppet masters of Mayor Pete's rise. When if I were good at rigging anything, Elizabeth Warren would be president. And then some of the people started calling Pete a rat, Warren a snake. And meanwhile, all the while, Biden was in a basement in Delaware listening to the soundtrack from Rocky Ford doing push-ups, learning how to connect on Zoom and getting ready to prove every Twitter pundit wrong except Simone Sanders and Josh Barrow. I don't remember that either.
2: No, I don't remember that at all.
1: (laughs) Never happened.
2: Too much happened this year.
1: I'm eager for 2021 to allow for these kinds of scandals again. You know, like just the kind of like, just lower stakes. I just want to let some lower stakes.
2: Yeah, ones that aren't about just like killing thousands of people.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. Get that vaccine. Uh, I will say though, I am glad that... uh, I went to a buffet in Las Vegas twice while I was there for the caucuses. And it was so extreme. It was so crazy to go to one of these giant buffets twice. Like, no, but twice. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad I did because I, I didn't know that we would soon get back. And then on March 11th, on the same day, uh, the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic. The NBA suspended its season. Harvey Weinstein was sentenced to 23 years in prison. Tom Hanks announced he and Rita Wilson tested positive. And worst of all. Pod Save America was forced to cancel our Phoenix show.
2: <laughs> That's the one that we're all still thinking about, I think.
1: I do think I am very glad that uh cooler heads prevailed in my effort to go to Seattle. I was there was one last live show, and it was like it was it, as it was taking root in Seattle and we didn't know the wasn't, we now know more. We just have like just sort of basic. Yeah, when it basic first came inst- out,
2: we were just sort of like, everyone just wash your hands and that's all you need to do. Yeah,
1: wash your hands, don't touch your face. And I was like, should we just do the show? How bad does it get to you cancel? Glad we canceled. Glad we canceled. Yeah. Um. 2020 was also the year that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle quit the royal family and moved to Los Angeles to start a media company. But that's a little embarrassing because leaving the government to start a podcast network in LA is very 2017. <laughs>
2: Have they asked you for advice yet?
1: It's it's radio silence from Harry and Megan. Radio silence, not a note, not a how are you, not a we're in town, not a brunch invite, nothing. It's nothing. weird
2: because I don't know why I feel like this cuz you're not supposed to feel like this about royalty, but with them I feel like I feel like I'm supposed to meet them at some point. We don't run in the same circles, but I feel convinced our paths will cross. <laughs> I don't know why I feel that way about them. Like I mean, they're it's like up to my me, mom's work friend.
1: <laughs> it's up to me. We'll all be together at the improv in 2021. <laughs> all right. They're coming in.
2: It's, they're yes. doing
1: okay. Stop with the crown. That's my plan. I just came up with it. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. They'll never do it.
2: They're just going to say, okay, stop immediately and not have commentary. <laughs> they're just going to be begging you to actually stop <laughs> making them Please. watch the crown. <laughs> Are they going to have Meghan Markle play herself on the crown?
1: That's such an interesting idea. I can't imagine that that
2: is a good idea for them. I mean, if you want to burn that bridge with the queen. (laughs) (sighs) Well. Have you watched Suits? She's good.
1: I've never seen Suits.
2: I started watching it after she became a princess because I was like, what's What's her deal?
1: Suits, to me, are the least appealing part of work, wearing the suit. I hated wearing a suit. wore a suit for years and it's like, why are we making the suits so important here? Is it about <laughs> it's suits? It's not
2: about their suits.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't know it's that. A
2: pun about like lawsuits and guys who uh, wear suits.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> that is, I'm not joking. I'm saying that that is the idea that there was a pun baked into the word suits <laughs> is 100% something I am finding out in this moment. Never occurred to me. <laughs> Didn't get it. Now I get it. Um, Suits.
2: I'll I'll be honest with you. I didn't get it until my husband pointed it out to me while I was watching it.
1: Classic Peter. Classic Classic Peter. Peter. (laughs) Emily Heller, thank you so much for being here. As always, a source of stability, joy, and joy. Yeah. Humor, (laughs) optimism in an otherwise chaotic and grim time. Yeah. Thank you for always being such a joy on this show. And you As know As we what? celebrate the holidays. In the yeah?
2: spirit of the season, I'm uh-huh. not going wow. to do a garden show right now.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for sparing me that, even if people in the audience are desperate for it. I, for yeah. me, that means a lot. It's a It's a Listen, gift to me, and I'm grateful.
2: We know that you are the only one who's excited about this not happening right now. I mean, the merch has sold out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will tell you something now. You know what? No, I'm not gonna. You know what? You know what? I was gonna tell you. Now I'm not. When we come back, I talked to Sam Park about the runoffs in Georgia.
5: Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up.
1: Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Angels Envy. How can envy be a motivating force that inspires people? I don't know. I mean, Maybe I mean, look at look at Elon Musk. I mean, just you know, <laughs> envy makes the world go round. Envy and FOMO. That's basically it. That's a,
6: yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's, half, that's capitalism.
1: Envy is commonly regarded as a vice, but it can be a good thing. Envy can be a catalyst for creation, inspiring the world to raise the bar. And Angel's Envy is a bourbon that is worth the envy. I was wondering where we were going with this. Angel's Envy bends the traditional rules of whiskey. It's a little different from all other bourbons out there. This bourbon makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Angel's Envy are the pioneers of secondary finishing in bourbon and one of the first full production urban distilleries in downtown Louisville. With its unique bottle design, Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels is sure to be the envy of any bar cart, too. Look for Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels. Please drink responsibly. Copyright 2024, Angel's Envy, bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. And we're back. He is the first openly gay man and the first Asian-American Democrat in the Georgia legislature. Please welcome Representative Sam Park, Thank you so much for being here.
4: Thank you for having me, John. Happy to be here.
1: So what are you seeing on the ground right now in these runoffs? What's happening right now?
4: Yeah, so I think um, context is always important, but I think all of the elements, all the pieces uh, that allowed Georgia to turn blue during the November elections are very much in place. And I think especially within a lot of these communities who turned out for the very first time, there's a lot of momentum and that they saw how important their vote is. And they've really, I think for the first time, understood um, the influence they potentially had in terms of all these elections. And so, um, you know, based on conversations, based on what I've seen on the ground, there's an incredible amount of enthusiasm amongst uh, uh, voters of color and young voters. But of course there are challenges as well, uh, particularly in that a lot of these first time voters haven't voted in a runoff election. So of course, part of uh, the job that we're all doing is Encouraging them not to only utilize the power that they have once more, uh, but to provide uh, timely and accurate information about how they can ensure uh, their vote counts. Um, that's on the Democratic side, of course. On the Republican side, it's quite honestly been fascinating because um, we're currently in the midst of a GOP uh, civil war in which uh, Secretary Raffensberger, Brian Kemp, not only certified the results of the election after three recounts, they followed the law and demonstrated uh, integrity, at least as to that uh, component. Yeah. But of course, you know, we continue to have Senator Loeffler and David Perdue stand in support of these lies um, that is really doing irreparable damage and quite frankly, uh, furthering the objectives of our foreign adversaries and undermining the integrity of our elections and trust in American democracy. Um, and, and I hope uh, voters, when they are coming out to vote um, right now, and, and of course, uh, you know, uh, by, by January 1st, understand what's at stake and, and really understand what Senator Loeffler and, and uh, Purdue um, are doing and the action and the implications of their actions.
1: So we just went through the general election. What did we learn in where people turned out? The, you know, it was obviously it ended up being closed you know, we've heard about Georgia changing for a long time. It's finally happening. We're in the middle of it. Uh, where did we do better than we expected? Where do we have challenges? Like, what, what are the lessons from the general that are we applying right now uh, to help John Ossoff, to help Raphael Warnock?
4: So, you know, back in 2018, Stacey Abrams deployed the correct strategy, in my opinion, of harnessing the opportunities that exist in Georgia, uh, which is empowering communities of color. Um, the state of Georgia demographically is becoming, of course, more diverse. But that diversity, you know, of course in part is being driven by people who are moving into the state, um, but also I, I, th- I think it's simply generational change, right? I'm born and raised in Georgia and, and when I let folks know that you know, I'm an openly gay, uh, Asian American, Georgia state representative, they're shocked. Because you know the, the understanding of Georgia based on our representation, and rightfully so, is that you know, it's a bunch of you know, old white conservative folks, right? That's not the future of the state. And quite frankly, that's not the present reality of our state's population. And so I think the approach that Stacey took in 2018, which was the first in, in Georgia of building a multiracial, racial multi-generational coalition uh, by first and foremost, empowering these voters, empowering Georgians uh, by getting them registered to vote and then encouraging them, inspiring them to utilize the power that they have is the correct approach. And we saw the impact of that, I think most clearly here in Gwinnett. And maybe I, I may be a little bit biased just because I'm, a, I'm you know, the chairman of the Gwinnett delegation, uh, and my district is located centrally, right here in the heart of Gwinnett, the county seat, the city of Lawrenceville. Um, but I don't think it's mere coincidence that Carolyn Bordeaux, um, from the Georgia 7th Congressional District, was the only seat in the entire country that flipped from red to blue. And her success was driven by, again, young communities of color voting in unprecedented numbers. and. Quite frankly, I think the path forward is just that it's harnessing the next generation and maintaining and continuing to build upon uh, the multi-generational, multi-racial coalition that exists in Georgia.
1: So, you know, it's interesting even just hearing you say that, you know, I think because these stakes of these elections have been so extraordinarily high, just the the desperation to win um, has made so much of our conversation around just are we electing Democrats? Are we electing Republicans? You're the first uh, openly gay man to be elected. Uh, in Georgia uh, to the legislature. I guess I I obviously know it's going to be a mix, but how much do you you attribute that to a changing electorate? And how much do you attribute that to actually reaching voters who are changing in real time on this issue? You know, you said yourself, there's the stereotype of a older white conservative voter. How much of your campaign do you feel like you went to people and, and, and showed them? That, they, that voting for a gay person was no big deal.
4: What, what my election taught me was that character matters and I think a new electorate, what they ultimately want, they want effective, competent leaders that are able to get the job done and to when all of a sudden it serve them. You know my conversations with most Georgians and, and having grown up and lived in Georgia my entire life, folks aren't ideologues, right? They're, they're not extremists on either side. And particularly when it comes to first-time voters who tend to be apolitical, oftentimes you know they just simply want effective government. And I think, in light of the abysmal failures of the Trump administration, um, where it's not necessarily partisan, um, but it's what has the American government done in the face of the worst public health crisis in this country's history? Um, what has the Republican Party done? Um, When it comes to addressing the economic, the growing economic inequities, the social unrest um, that continues to bubble up because it's never been properly addressed um, going back to the very beginning of our country. And so I think what's really driving a lot of folks um, in terms of first time voters, as well as, you know, moderates and your independents who, who typically tend to turn out is the desire simply to have effective government. And and I think that bodes well because the Democratic Party is the only party right now that actually acknowledges the problems in which we face. Um, We're not, unfortunately, led by Trump. The Republican Party seems to have become detached from reality, which I think is such a dangerous thing in this moment in which we are facing imminent threats and dangers. Uh, The fact that we are living through a mass casualty event where already 300,000 Americans have lost their lives and we're just about to enter into the worst part of this pandemic. Right. Yeah, it's, it's it's terrifying and concerning, but at the same time, I think it's also important to understand the root cause and address um, what's driving um, traditionally conservative voters uh, further uh, to the right. Whether it is the loss of identity, whether it is economic uncertainty, in order for us to ultimately overcome, persevere and overcome the current challenges that we're facing, I think. Um, We have to come together. We have to find common ground, which which I know Biden is doing everything that he can uh, to foster. Um, And and that's the the same is very much true when it comes to to local and state politics as well. Uh, What are what are some
1: ways people like I think, you know, there's been this concern about people from out of state coming in. There's been questions about the efficacy of money. Uh, What do you think people listening right now outside of Georgia uh, can do to help uh, win these runoffs right now?
4: Volunteer and donate. And there are many, uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, Reverend Warnock and John Ossoff's campaigns, go directly to their websites, uh, sign up to volunteer on both of their campaigns, contribute to both of their campaigns, and then support all of the additional infrastructure uh, that's built around. Uh, There is a coordinated campaign going through the Democratic Party of Georgia. Again, donate and volunteer through the Democratic Party of Georgia, and then support Uh, the the local grassroots community groups who are really on the front lines of this transformative work. Um, You know, oftentimes I've read so many articles saying, yeah, after the 2018 gubernatorial election, Stacey really began her efforts on changing the electorate. No, Stacey has been engaged in this work for the past decade, all right? She's invested all of her time and energy, again, in empowering people through organizations like the New Georgia Project that's registered hundreds of thousands of folks in this state in conjunction with other community-based organizations like Asian Americans Advancing Justice and the Asian American Advocacy Fund, along with many other PACs who are, again, members of the community who are working to organize their own communities, empower their own communities, and ultimately turn them out uh, for our shared objectives of of making progress and getting through these incredibly challenging times.
1: Last question. What's the gayest show you're streaming right now?
4: Oh, the gayest show I'm streaming. Um, It doesn't need to have... It, it
1: just has to, uh, like, for, I would count the crown. I think it evokes certain homosexual qualities. What is the, how does Netflix know you're gay? That's the question, really. Netflix knows I'm gay. They It knows. The algorithm knows. How do your streaming algorithms know that you're a gay person?
4: So Pose, of course, is fabulous. But, but of course, I, I flew through that, you know, a while back <laughs> ago. Legendary on HBO mm-hmm. Max is fabulous as well. And then I just saw um, a preview of uh, season 13 of RuPaul's Drag Race, and of course- you
1: know. Wow, all right. that ca- Wow, that's great. That's good, that's great. Uh, Sam Park, thank you so much. It was good to talk to you. And uh, let's go win these uh, runoffs. And if you go to votesaveamerica.com, you can support a lot of the organizations and volunteer uh, with uh, the uh, organizations that the representative Sam Park talked about. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to Sam Park for being here. When we come back, it's time for the Quarantine Choice Awards.
5: Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way.
7: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
1: And we're back. Let's face it. 2020 was a very hard year. It made 2001 look like 1999. And so we decided to send it off in style with what we are calling the first and hopefully last annual quarantine choice awards. We have invited five of our favorite comedians, returning champions all, to join us to determine who will receive the prestigious Golden Pangolin. First up, we have comedian, actress, and a co-host of Hysteria. Please welcome back returning champion, guest from the very first episode of Love It or Leave It, 170 episodes ago, Michaela Watkins. Good to see you.
6: Hi, great to see you. Thanks for having me back. This is my favorite show. (laughs) on radio vision no
1: thank you thank you so much for saying that
6: yeah
1: uh well yeah. we are doing the quarantine choice awards and you are here as the voter, the only voter, the judge mm-hmm. in a specific category, the hydroxychloroquine award for absolutely knowing nothing about them before 2020. <laughs> and so I'm going to share the nominees and you can tell us what you think about them and who deserves this award. Good. According to a standard you'll devise yourself. Okay. In real time.
6: All right. Good. I'm very judgy. This should be easy.
1: It could be about how much you like these people. It could be about how much you've learned about them. Mm-hmm. It could be about how much more you've learned about them, mm-hmm. or how little you knew about them before. It's really up to you. That's the beauty of these choice awards. The people design. <laughs> and the nominees are, first, Dr. Anthony Fauci.
6: Okay. Hmm, someone to think. Okay. Mulling it.
1: Claudia Conway. Aha. Uh-huh. KN95 masks. <laughs> <laughs> The the K, the something that is important in ways we don't totally understand. Mm-hmm. The front-facing camera Twitter comedians. Uh-huh. The Michigan Canvassing Board. Oh. And finally, Tony Bobulinski. Uh Now, feel free to discuss any of these. If any if any thoughts on your mind, if anything about Fauci has come to your attention.
6: I'm just now blanking on Tony Bobulinski, but I have a feeling with a name like that, maybe it's best.
1: I'll remind you that he was involved in something having to do with efforts to drum up Hunter Biden news.
6: Oh, yeah. He was a Hunter Biden
1: associate (laughs) that punk.
6: (laughs) He was on the hunt for Hunter. Um, Okay, I'm going to say in terms of all of this, all of the above Mm -hmm. are things I never knew other than Dr. Fauci, maybe because his name came up once or twice before Mm hydrochloric. But mm -hmm. I'm going to say it might be Claudia Conway. Like Hydrochloroquine's 15 minutes, we have s- might have seen Claudia's. I'm not sure. She might be here to stay. Was it a moment? Was it a blip in time? Are we gonna like come back and go, we should have listened more to Hydrochloroquine and Claudia Conway? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm gonna say that she really came onto the scene hard. Yeah, she fast. did. Yes. Everybody loved her and wanted her. She did something to make people feel better. She did something to make some others feel not so great. Mm-hmm, that's right. Because I know what the K and K and 95 stands for. So I wow. can share it with you if you want.
1: Well, I, I have one. <laughs> I have one. And listen, I'm just going to tell you, let you inside of my pandemic mm-hmm. quarantine right now, which is okay. I'm uh, here with Ronan's family mm-hmm. and there was a snowstorm today, so I didn't do it today. But basically every morning I borrow... Mia Farrow's car, (laughs) as you do, (laughs) I put on a KN95 mask Uh and I alternate, I alternate between Dunkin Donuts (laughs) drive-thru, McDonald's drive-thru and Starbucks drive-thru where I get each one's version of a large iced coffee and each one's version of a breakfast sandwich. Oh, wow. And the rotation I've I, variety is the spice of life. Michaela. Have you
6: found that? Well, I hope they have a drive-through dialysis machine. Cause that's where you're headed.
1: <laughs> I don't, I, I hope they do too. <laughs> a a Mick dialysis. That's a, that's an 11. You have to order an 11. <laughs> the, the one is obviously the big Mac. That's the classic. Uh, I mean, by yeah. the time you get up to 11, <laughs> you know, it's dialysis. Yeah, it's exactly. helping to uh, clean your blood.
6: Here's the thing. I would like to say that Claudia Conway has done as much for COVID and as much for like bringing down the Conways as maybe hydrochloroquine has done for COVID, which is like not really much <laughs> like they're still going. <laughs> 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 That's so
1: funny. That's so funny. You've done for this moment what hydroxychloroquine did for COVID. Nothing. You did nothing. Worse <laughs> than nothing. You nothing. didn't really help. You didn't really help. You made help. a lot
6: of headlines. You made a lot of headlines. But, but, you know, it shouldn't be her job to do it. She's their child. She's a teen. And she is a child.
1: <laughs> but an award nonetheless.
6: Almost as young as hydrochloroquine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not even saying it right, but it doesn't, it doesn't it matter.
1: To be said correctly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And shout out to people with lupus who have to take it and who were pretty annoyed that a bunch of other people were taking it for no reason.
6: Yeah, it's like when you've been listening to Wilco and all of a sudden everybody's like, Have you heard Jeff Tweedy's He's amazing. You're like, I've been listening to Sun Volt in the 90s, you assholes. That's how people with lupus feel.
1: Yeah. Yankee Hotel <laughs> Foxtrot. Whiskey.
6: Before that, before that.
1: I don't. <laughs> Michaela.
6: Yeah. Uncle Tupelo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Back wow. that back in the day. Uh, so, yeah. So, that yeah, kind of thing. a while back. The Wilco fans will know what I'm talking about. Apparently,
1: Well, there are there are Wilco fans screaming right now. They're freaking out. Yeah, they are seen.
6: They're freaking out. They are seen. Yes. Yes. I see you. OK.
1: The golden pangolin goes to you, (laughs) Claudia Conway, a teen who is thrust into the national spotlight Mm -hmm. due to the moral failings of the people charged with raising you. Right. And yet you shone bright and we salute you.
3: They
6: thought they could make some money off of you and you don't work. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, it's great talking to you. (laughs)
1: Michaela Watkins everybody returning champion Michaela Watkins next up we have comedian actress and host of what a day returning champion my buddy my pal my my Los Angeles friend who moved to L.A. and then I went east <laughs> and I haven't seen. We could have gone on walks during this terrible time. Yeah. Akila Hughes. Hey, how you doing, John? It's good to see you. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, now, I understand that there was a, a love connection earlier today.
0: Well, I sure hope so.
1: Involving a Christmas tree. Would you mind telling us about it?
0: Yeah. Uh, I needed a Christmas tree, as it is Christmas, and um, I was running out of time. And I went to several places that had Christmas trees, but they were -hmm. were all out. Uh, And I went to Mr. Jingles Mm -hmm. out here in LA, Mm -hmm. and the sexiest lumberjack in history carried this giant tree to my car and tied it on there. And I just, I realized that, you know, maybe... Maybe there are good things on Earth still. Maybe it's not all darkness, and maybe I need another Christmas tree because I, I was very awkward. I think having a mask kind of messes up my game, but there should be a love connection. Like, it's me. <laughs> I'm here.
1: <laughs> maybe he's a listener. Maybe he's a listener. I hope so. That'd be something. I hope so. Yeah. All right, Akela. <laughs>
0: So that's you, my update is I'm flirting with a, a man who doesn't know I exist. I'm literally just another tree customer to him, but you're just fine.
1: You're just two eyes and $30. <laughs> exactly. That was me. I actually have never, I don't know. If you told me, I've obviously as a Jewish person, I have no contact with buying Christmas trees. If you would have told me that, oh, a tree, it costs, I don't know what, it, how much does a Christmas tree in Los Angeles cost? I'm
0: sure there were cheaper ones, but mine was $80.
1: $80. That seems okay to me for a whole tree. Yeah, it's a whole tree. It's a whole tree. <laughs> That grow for a long time. It's probably yeah. It probably takes years, good. right? It takes years. So it's like you know, there's trees that aren't ready yet. There are tre- right. trees that are just planted in the places where this year's trees were cut down. I'm sure it's very complicated. I wouldn't yeah. know though. Also,
0: like a large hot man had to carry it to my car.
1: <laughs> we got to pay him. I'm picturing flannel. Was there flannel involved? It was totally flannel. Oh, he knows what yeah, he's doing. I, all right. Little beanie. Oh, so let's just be clear about something. An actor brought your tree to your car. Yeah, totally, totally.
0: (laughs) A hot actor who couldn't get any work because there was nothing shooting Mm -hmm. is now working at um, a really great Christmas tree farm and helped me out. (laughs) And I love it. I love the farce of Los Angeles. That's why I moved here.
1: (laughs) So Akilah, you were here for a very specific reason. We are doing the Quarantine Choice Awards. We were going to call them the Pandemies, but then it turns out (laughs) The Daily Show had that idea some time ago. Mm -hmm. And so you will be presenting – One of the Quarantine Choice Awards, the Nice Try But No Thanks Award. Mm -hmm. Uh, And basically, this is an award about attempts, people who tried things. (laughs) And I'm going to read you the nominees and you can discuss the nominees as we go and then share with us who you believe deserves, for whatever reasons you believe they do deserve, the Quarantine Choice Award.
0: All right. I'm excited. I'm happy to hand it out. Um, And I hope that they feel honored to be nominated.
1: (laughs) The nominees are... Again, this is a word about attempts. Nice <laughs> try, but no thanks. <laughs> the Imagine video.
0: Mm, yeah, they really jumped the gun on that one. It was like 15 <laughs> minutes into being at home, and they were like, "People need this." You know, fast forward six months, and people are just like, "We're gonna go out to eat, and we're just gonna like, we're just gonna like, you know, do that rugged individualism that America was built on." Yeah, we, we're we gonna, don't need <laughs> any songs. <laughs> we don't gonna, need to imagine.
1: Hey, um, we saw <laughs> all the people that- <laughs> are outside. <laughs> We saw the video that you made, and then we imagined uh, pretending the pandemic didn't exist, and it worked. We just yes. pretended oh. it didn't exist, and yeah. it worked.
0: Like, that's actually, I'm putting this on Natalie Portman. Sorry, Natalie. No, <laughs> no. It happened. I mean, it was a great attempt. Um, it was a little quick, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they didn't even send around what key it was going to be in, maybe a <laughs> sample of what it should sound like. It was just haphazardly edited mm-hmm. together. There were some, mm-hmm. like, no names mm-hmm. in there that I'm like, who's that? <laughs> They should imagine my confusion right now. <laughs> they should imagine the putting a
1: Chiron at the bottom right, that has know. their name. <laughs> 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 Next nominee. Trump trying to make us believe Dominion stole the election.
0: Oh, man. You know, it, it was. Uh, listen, I think it was a very long attempt. I don't even know that it's over. I think that <laughs> it's an ongoing attempt. Still yeah, it's um, maybe
1: permanent, maybe permanent
0: forever. Yeah. Like somebody must have taken it probably the American citizens who voted against him. But, you know, I think that for me, this wasn't really that great of an attempt because Mm -hmm. the truth is this should have been a layup for Trump as far as an election went if he had just done the right thing for COVID. Yeah. Like America loves to rally around itself. He completely screwed himself. You know who lost that election? Donald Trump. You know who stole that from himself? Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, he did. Stop the steal. Look in the mirror.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Look in the mirror, Don. Jesus Christ.
1: Next nominee, Nancy Pelosi wearing a kente cloth.
0: Okay, yeah. This is a big swing from old Nancy. I get it, right? You know, we were all trying to show support. It wasn't a black square. It was just, you know, a kente square on her face (laughs) (laughs) that none of us cared about. Like, I got to say, it did not uh, make me feel any better about the police nor the state of our union. (laughs) It was just sort of like, all right. And also, I think it was a little late because... You know, when Kaepernick was kneeling, where, where was that, that energy? It's like all of a sudden we're all excited to, to kneel. Hey, was, that,
1: was your Kensei Claude at the dry cleaners? Where,
0: right, <laughs> exactly. She was like, I couldn't find it then, but now, now that we're all doing it. And, you know, I appreciate, I feel like I got I to gotta give white people who mean well a little bit of credit. Like I had a lot of really nice, well-meaning white friends in L.A. that brought me gifts <laughs> when George Floyd died, <laughs> which is crazy. I don't, I, I, they thought, you know, this is, will help. And I had a lot of cupcakes. My housemate doesn't eat them. I have a ton of food now. And you really just want me to tell you you're a good white person. Even with this award, that's what I'd be doing for Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe she doesn't need that from me. But I will say, I understand that we were trying to make people feel better. And the cloth looks fly, you know? Okay. It's hard to look bad if <laughs> you can't take cloth.
1: <laughs> Next up. Trump tear-gassing protesters to hold up a Bible.
0: Mm. Oh, upside down as well. People always forget that detail. It was never upside right in any of the photos, which is why it seemed even more sinister. I'm like, wait, (laughs) what are you doing?
1: You know, there's a fundamental problem with all photo ops, which is, so he's very aware of the photo, Mm -hmm. and he's aware of the video. But, like, he was standing there for a picture. But the key to a good event is you have to have something that works both for the photo, which he did, right? He had the Bible. That would have worked for the (laughs) photo. I'm I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying, like, from their point of view, it's the photo they wanted. But he didn't have a plan for how to make a video. Right. He didn't have a plan for what to say or do with the Bible, which he held. Yeah, there was no before
0: or after. It was just, I'm standing outside of a church with my favorite book, the Bible, and we're like, we have questions about how you got there. It's like, um. Was (laughs) it when you bombed them? Firebomb for Jesus.
1: <laughs> it's that also when he held the Bible, he held the Bible with the familiarity of a single man in his mid-40s who never married and never had kids and is never around kids is handed a baby. Like he was like-
0: totally. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't want to break it.
1: My is holding, neck my holding okay? this neck going to be okay? Is this Bible okay? I think the Bible- Can it hold up. its own neck it. up yet? Yeah. I don't want to break the Bible. I'm confused
0: about what to do with the neck. <laughs> and these are pages here (laughs) that's that's interesting so how's school it's not in school yet
1: (laughs) no i think it's i think it's a really cute bible
0: yeah it's a really cute bible but it's it's not based on other bibles i've seen that's just what
1: i I think this bible wants you back i think it wants you back
0: exactly Uh, it's crying no those are the protesters i (laughs) bought. messed up messed up
1: it's messed up you know what? It's the end of a dark year, all right? Yeah. And we're trying to get through it. We're just getting getting these things out. Yeah. All right? We're getting them out. We're doing it. I feel it. All right. And finally, oh, you know what? I'm calling that the last nominee because the next no, one is even wanna darker. No, I want to know what the
0: next one is. I have to know how dark it is.
1: Clapping for healthcare workers instead of giving them PPE.
0: Oh, wow. You know, to me, that has got to be the most American of the entire list. These are the American quarantine choice awards. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The clapping thing, we didn't really do it in West Hollywood, got to say. Like, we don't have, like, a balcony or anything. So the effect was just, like, me standing outside in a driveway.
1: It was a New York thing. New York
0: did it hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, like it became this nationwide phenomenon because New York has balconies and it was like this mm-hmm. whole cinematic thing and it made sense. And also people were at home <laughs> because it was really bad there. Everyone else was just like still going to Chili's, but like clapping. <laughs> it's like honk <laughs> if you love the people who are on the front lines. Like yeah. that doesn't help anybody. Well, I'm
1: not going to do anything to make their their world yeah, like I still have to go to the movies. It's important um, for
0: my birthday that I have yeah. a party. But I applaud you all for... Taking care of the fallout.
1: Yeah, my boyfriend has a cough, but we're not going to skip date night.
0: Right. So, you know, I think that, like, America really, really didn't follow through. So I got to say, like, as far as attempts go, not even. Not Not even even. an attempt. Not even an attempt. I can start clapping now. Does that mean I'm part of it? (laughs) It's nothing. I clap all the time. (laughs) Does it matter?
1: Akilah, (laughs) you have the nominees. They are the Imagine video, Trump and Dominion. Nancy Pelosi in a kente cloth, Trump teargassing protesters to hold a Bible and clapping but not helping mm. healthcare workers. Who will receive the golden pangolin statue? The pangi. Oh, no.
0: The pangis. <laughs> uh, Topanga is what we named it. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, I got to go with Nancy Pelosi in the kente cloth. And here's the thing. She meant, well, from mm-hmm. the beginning, it didn't seem like it was for necessarily attention. She was going to be seen in public that day, whether she liked it or not. And she was like, you know what? I'm gonna show some support. And if it, it's a little corny, and uh, also like misses the point, because like who's been wearing kente cloth in like the <laughs> African American community since like the '90s? But anyway, whatever. Like you know, it was just a vaguely black thing she tried to do, and yes. that's all you can hope for from an octogenarian. I want to say, you know, I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> Akilah appreciates it. That's why Nancy Pelosi is the first winner of this year's Quarantine Choice Award. For attempts, the nice try, but no thanks. Prize, <laughs> Akilah Hughes. It's always wonderful to see you. What a delight!
0: I know, uh, John Lovett. You are just a dream. Happy holidays, baby. Happy
1: holidays. Merry Christmas <laughs> to you. I hope, um, I hope you can wake up and have some cocoa with your lumberjack tree actor man. Uh, yeah, I hope or at that least write some fan you. fiction
0: or a, a pilot yeah. about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone finds it's, the joy in that.
1: Then you cast him because he's he's waiting. Oh he's my! He's waiting God. for you in one way or another. He's waiting for you. Thank you. <laughs> He is the co host of Keep It and our resident crooked pop culture
5: expert. Please welcome returning champion, Louis Fertel. Oh my God. Only you would know that the phrase returning champion would like hit me so hard. Like, there, there could be no finer phrase to bestow upon me it's not even true by the way almost uh, like for instance i lost on jeopardy so it's you're lying but i appreciate it
1: you're you're our returning champion and many people have lost on jeopardy many people have won on jeopardy but few have created a snap
5: gif that has become eternal right no i mean pizzazz is exactly that eternal and that's what i brought and unfortunately you can't revoke it so
1: So, Lewis is here uh, to help us with the Quarantine Choice Awards. Uh, This is the category of best film we saw this year in a year with very few films. He's going to hear the nominees, he's going to judge the nominees, and he's going to determine who deserves this year's Quarantine Choice Awards. The nominees are Palm Springs. Okay, enjoyed it. A little familiar for me, but had fun moments. I actually loved Palm Springs. And I, I, really did, I really did love it. I thought it was so entertaining. I watched it twice because I, what else are we going to do? But I also just love the idea of like saying, like I have this idea for a movie. And it's like, oh, what is it? <laughs> it's, um, did you ever see Groundhog Day? <laughs>
5: <laughs> just starting right with that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's it. That's the idea. What about it again? Yeah. And I was like, I'm in.
1: That's a great idea for a movie. And I actually think now Groundhog Day is a genre. You have your edges of tomorrow, those birthday movies. You have that one where Wayans
5: brother was nude. Uh, (laughs) You sounded like Tipper Gore when you said that, like really, really (laughs) scandalized. (laughs) Uh, Russian doll. A fan well, I was just going to say, Rush, example. R- Russian Doll, I, I actually prefer to Palm Springs, but yes, exactly. No, I mean, a, a lot of people would say the same thing about uh, like popular music, like, is this a ripoff or is it a pastiche, et cetera, and it turns into a genre.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about the live a day over and over again genre. I'm in more. I'm not, I'm not, I want more. I want more Edges of Tomorrow. I want Tom Cruise... And Emily Blunt repeating the same day over and over again. I'm in. I'm just like completely in.
5: Works in particular for Tom Cruise because there's already a delirium about him. So it like thematically <laughs> matches up. What did you
1: think of Tom Cruise losing his shit on the set
5: of, I guess it's Mission Impossible? Right. Uh, weirdly, we didn't get to talk about this on Keep It. It happened milliseconds after we recorded, which as listeners of the podcast know, happens to us a lot. Um, <laughs> Uh, Well, nothing he said struck me as wrong or like nothing he said was an ad hominem attack. So that I supported. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. said, I am like of the millennial generation. And I, I do think it's abusive behavior. I don't think anybody should be subject to that on a set. And I think you could handle it in a way that was less like I have this much power and I'm truly pointing a finger. I can't imagine him not pointing a finger as he does this stuff. So I am uh, happy. He was so pro science, shall we say? (laughs) And uh, uh, a little bit angry at the, at how much people are applauding him for going that crazy as if somehow it was very welcome.
1: Yes. So I, I, I agree. There's no excuse for losing your temper like that. Totally. Totally. Yes. So obviously I think that's a problem. However, there are two parts of the content at which he lost me. One, is he's doing so well you know because look christian bale <laughs> lost his shit in a similar way and it was about someone getting in his line of sight during a take right like yeah this is this is about something serious okay i, re- I do respect that one uh when he said i sleep with the industry <laughs> like like the industry rests on his shoulders it's like okay tom we were on your side And now, all of a sudden, you're holding up the whole industry. You have the pressure of saving film on your back, and that's why you're upset. It's a bit dramatic. Like, I know you're, we're all in the scene with you here. Give us a break. And then, two, there's a moment where he says something like, I can talk to your logic, I can talk to your reason. And I'm like, Are you? That is Scientology. Right. We are hearing some. Scientology seeping through here. You're not talking to us as individuals. You're talking to the logic in us. Right. And I don't really know much more about the lore. The feet and ghosts
5: he was addressing yes. in the room. Yes. Um, yeah. Also, when he said the thing about the industry rest on my shoulders, it reminded me a little bit of the Charlie Sheen freakout, where he said, and I won best picture when I was 17 for Platoon or whatever. It's like, no, you don't win best picture. You were, you were in the film or whatever. The picture you know? wins
1: best picture. Right. The picture yeah. wins best
5: picture. These are the rules. Yeah. These are the rules.
1: Uh, producer accepts that one. We don't know. I don't know why. Right. Then those are the rules. Next nominee after Palm Springs, uh, we have the TikTok of that guy skateboarding, drinking cranberry juice. We have the close up of Dr. Burks when Trump said we should drink bleach. We have Emily in
5: Paris. That was a that was a <laughs> sleeper nominee. I haven't seen it. Tommy's watched every episode. I haven't no. seen it. That's like the thing I know most about Tommy now is that he has somehow (laughs) sat through the entire thing. It is one of the more bizarre lead performances on television in recent years. It is like if Kristen Davis on Sex and the City were drunk. That's what it's like. The whole show. I think that's cool. I think that's cool. (laughs) I'm not saying it's bad. It just is. Uh,
1: Next nominee: The Crown's Gillian Anderson doing an impression of Margaret Thatcher. Uh...
5: I will say this for a show that like. Not too many people on that show are doing impressions that are like dead on. They're like impressionistic versions of the people. So for her to kind of go very hard on picking a vocal tick and a thing of Margie Thatcher's and seeking it out, I applaud. That said, it really is like she is playing an alien in Mars Attacks. I mean, just the strangest... confusing version of Margaret Thatcher. It's too slow. It's too, it also just, I felt her arc on the show did not have enough impact for me. I did. Yes. I
1: went back and I was like, I don't actually know enough about what Margaret Thatcher sounded like. In fact, I'm actually realizing as I watch this, that I'm not comparing Gillian Anderson to Margaret Thatcher. I'm comparing Gillian Anderson to Meryl Streep. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, Mm -hmm. wait, is Gillian Anderson doing an impression of Margaret Thatcher, or is she doing an impression of Meryl Streep doing an impression of Margaret Thatcher? And either way, I agree. I just found it to be very, um, like, uh, uh you have, uh, Olivia Coleman just sort of disappearing in the in this wry version of this woman, and you have Helena Bonham Carter continuing to exist in this world without really much reason. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then and then around them there are impressionists. <laughs> Just like like rich little level <laughs> acting. And I love it. I love it. I was in. It was camp. I'm in. I'm in on it. I'm gonna give you two more nominees. We have Demi uh, did you eBay dancing on top of a car at a gas station after Biden won the election. And finally we have Smokey Robinson saying surprise, surprise,
5: happy Chanuka <laughs> First of all, Smokey is just on Cameo. That's, it's too large. It's like if you could just like talk to Elvis Presley on Cameo. It's really insane. I, I don't understand Cameo. I find its
1: prevalence somewhat chilling. I, I, I don't understand the economics of Cameo. There are people that seem like they have too much money on Cameo. I don't get it.
5: Right. I don't get it. And also, if like, I, I pay enough money, I can like, learn what Jeremy Piven's kitchen <laughs> looks like. It's just like frightening. You know, It's too much power. At any moment, and it does also seem as though like
1: a full thirty percent of cameos are tricks. Like they've been tricked into saying something. Totally feels feels high risk, low reward. But maybe (laughs) I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Don't come after me, cameo people. Uh, I do think Tommy at one point uh, signed me up as a joke, uh, and it led to an awkward conversation of me saying, "No, thank you. (laughs) you I I
5: reject this nomination." Yeah, Uh,
1: but I do like Smokey Rob isn't saying surprise, surprise is. Like, I, I just sometimes I'll just need to hear it. He just says it in this like this. It's this um, beautiful, lyrical way that like he makes surprise, surprise is like a song in and of itself. And then he's got me. and Now I'm like, no, nah, I in. I want to see where this story goes as a film. And then it goes to happy Chanuka, <laughs> And he says it in such a joyful, uh, guileless way that you come at the end. You're at the end of it. You're like, listen, you didn't know the CH thing at the front was for Hanukkah. That never came your way. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it.
5: Right? No, the fact that he had no guess at all, like that, it it wasn't even like this is a real (laughs) holiday. It's I'm being put on immediately. Like, like I know you think I look like an idiot right now, but let me tell you, whatever you want, enjoy yourself was sort of the message he gave out.
1: So winning, so winning, and a lesson for all of us: don't, you don't need to pretend. You take things as they come, and you're honest about them, and it's quite lovable. I'm in. I'm in yeah. on Smokey Robinson. It was nice to be reminded. Nice to see him. i just like, you know, hey, Smokey Robinson's out there doing stuff. That was nice to see. Right. So you have the nominees, Lewis. You are going to choose the winner of the Golden Pangolin. It's Palm Springs, the TikTok cranberry juice guy, Dr. Burks when Trump said we should drink bleach, Emily in Paris,
5: Gillian Anderson doing an impression, Demi eBay, and Smokey Robinson. I almost picked Dr. Burks because Dickie culture and Ascot culture are very <laughs> underrepresented. We don't have like Charles Nelson Riley's anymore. So, or, you know, like the movie Network where like uh, the estranged wife bursts into tears while wearing an amazing uh, Ascot. So, but I do have to go with the Fleetwood Mac guy because one, Fleetwood Mac awareness is on the up. And I applaud any youngster video TikTokery that Mm -hmm. continues to um, buttress them. Mm -hmm. I'm a little upset we're not getting more Christine McVie love. It seems to be squarely planted on uh, Stevie. Let's get a little more sophisticated. Thank you. But also, it's just one of those things you've watched 20 times without even thinking about it. And that's what being on the internet is all about. And that's what I think Best Picture will soon turn into. So I'm going to vote for that.
1: So congrats to you. Guy on a skateboard drinking cranberry juice. You've won the Golden Pangolin at this year's Quarantine Choice Awards. Louis, thank you for being here. Before I let you go mm-hmm. to mark the end of the year, let's just see what you got. Again, this is unplanned. In fact, I don't. Louis has no idea what year I'm going to say or category I'm going to ask because I don't know what I'm going to ask. Best Supporting
5: Actress 1996. Oscars it's one of my favorite years because you have one of the greatest actresses of all time Juliette Binoche winning for the English Mm -hmm. Patient not a movie that people love but she is very rich in it I recommend Juliette Binoche specifically in the movie Damage with Jeremy Irons which I love but that year she famously beat Lauren Bacall in The Mirror Has Two Faces and Lauren Bacall as you know is unfriendly and I would not want to do that to her her eyelids malfunction in the most sinister way The way I mean, imagine those eyelids just pointed at you. You're intimidated, right? And then also in that category that year is Marianne Jean-Baptiste in one of my favorite movies ever, Secrets and Lies by Mike Lee, which is extremely underrated and so rewarding. Don't know anything going into it. Please watch that movie. It's fabulous. Love that recommendation. 1974 Best Actor. 1974 Best Actor. It's a weird year because Art Carney, uh, uh, known most from The Honeymooners, wins for a movie called Harry and Tonto. Um, and of course, oh, no. that's, a, that's a very um, prestigious year because you have movies like The Conversation and The Godfather Part Two, And so we're getting really into the gritty 70s there. So it's a strange, anomalous Best Actor win.
1: 1984
5: Best Picture nominees. Let's see here. 1984 Best Picture nominees. The winner is Amadeus, of course. And if you never took like a high school band class, uh, that's the only way you could have not seen it so weird, <laughs> weird year with two best actor nominees from the same movie Tom Hulce and um, uh, F. Murray Abraham who won uh, what else is going on that year oh a soldier story which nobody has ever seen uh, we had The Killing Fields which got a best supporting actor win for Hanyas Noor one of the few non-actors to win an Oscar he was a doctor later killed look up the wiki it's really fascinating Passage to India which is like the least seen David Lean movie uh, though it stars Judy Davis whom I'm obsessed with and uh, what else am I missing? 1984, A Soldier's Story. D- d- Love watching the, the information click through your yeah. brain. <laughs> I'm literally there are cogs moving, and I'm moving my head with it. Uh, Who is Best Actress in 1984? We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get there. Oh, Best Actress in 1984, is Sally Field. Oh, that's another nominee. Places in the heart. Uh, uh, she, <laughs> her second win. That's when she had the famous speech where she said, um, "Not you like me, you really like me. But this time, I feel it. You like me." Uh, which she exclaimed also let's talk about the heyday of John Malkovich we used to just have scary brooding men who were going to take you know what happened Daniel Day-Lewis became more popular and then John Malkovich receded that's what happened wow
1: yeah that is what happened I suppose that is what happened right
5: man that's the thing about being an actor
1: you're Dustin Hoffman you're one of the most successful actors in the world and you're still only getting the things Pacino said no to you know totally
5: it's no it's a tough gig I, uh, an example I always think of is 1986 Best Supporting Actress nominee Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio. When you watch her in that movie, you're like, here it is, the star. She will keep happening. Two years later, a woman emerges with the same silhouette and winsomeness named Julia Roberts. And it's like, oh, right, well, you win.
1: <laughs> Louis Vertel. As always, thank you so much for being here. Whenever I say your name in full, I'm also reminded that uh, Louis Vertel is the gay pronunciation of Vertel, but that there is a whole (laughs) clan of Vertels out there
5: who are like, this is the guy that turned mayonnaise into aioli, you know? That's right. (laughs) Polish mayonnaise into, or no, I guess it's more German than Polish, but it's, yeah, everything European that has rosacea is in the name (laughs) Vertel. When we come back,
1: we're gonna do another award.
5: Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up.
7: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
1: She's a comedian actress. She has a new show called Resident Alien premiering in January. Please welcome back returning champion. Alice Wetterland, so good to see you. Hey,
8: guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Hey, why haven't we been doing this for nine fucking months? That is awesome.
8: Man, I don't know. I realized that I was like, oh, I miss stand-up so much. And it's not the audience validation. It's the confirmation that I know I'm funny. So I could just do that myself. Right, guys?
2: Goddamn strange. You love me. Uh, rules <laughs> that's
1: all I want I know I don't want validation I want confirmation I take both but in a pinch
8: there you go in
1: a pinch they
8: love that they love that John they fucking love you
1: it also is like a, a nicotine patch for real applause you know
8: oh yeah I'm so, so addicted to those, those patches. patches I never, I never smoked, smoked. <laughs> I just love <laughs> the patches <laughs> a little teppin but okay, I'll take it. So,
1: honestly, my face hurts. It's making me smile so much to watch <laughs> you give yourself laughter.
8: Yeah, that's good.
1: So, you are here, Alice, because you are part of this year's Love It or Leave It First Annual <sighs> Quarantine Choice Awards.
8: Oh, my God, it's so cool. Wow.
1: And you are here to judge one of our most important categories. Great. The award for most humiliating... Rudy Giuliani moment
8: <gasps> no oh my god that's...
1: yes that's what you are you were here to help us determine
8: oh my god I want to thank every agent I've ever fired for having me <laughs> in this position because this is a good it's a good category wow it's
1: cool it's pretty cool it's pretty cool so I'm going to share with you the nominees and as we go share your thoughts your yeah. feelings Judge the category however you see fit. It's your category to judge. And at the end, I will run through the options one more time, and you can determine this year's winner of The Golden Pangolin. (laughs)
2: Okay.
8: (laughs) All right. Do you need, like, a drum roll? or? let me see if I can find that. Here. It's going to take me a second, so here we go. And the nominees are Rudy Giuliani's Hair Leaking, all right, so that's already the one that comes to mind, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Because, sure, sure it does.
8: Like, do you think that he bought a bottle and it was like leak proof?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it said on the bottle, if you're dying your hair 15 minutes before the event, mm-hmm. your life is in chaos. <laughs> He's he's <laughs> dying his hair like Harrison Ford in that tunnel when he escapes from the hospital after eating an egg sandwich that he made look like the best egg sandwich in history. Do you, yeah. remember, this? Oh, yeah. Do you remember Harrison Ford eating that, like, eating that breakfast sandwich in the hospital yeah, when he's yeah. escaping? Yeah, yeah. That breakfast sandwich. He makes that scrambled. that scrambled eggs on bread. He makes it look so good. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into that tunnel and he dyes his hair, even though after which he looks exactly the same. <laughs>
8: Did he die in a tunnel?
1: <laughs> in my mind, it's in a tunnel. It's in a dingy bathroom. It's in a
8: dingy bathroom. I was like, oh, they should make a, a salon based on that concept. Like, fugitive barbershop. We only use shoe <laughs> dye.
1: I'm now realizing that this is a kid's version of what took place in the movie, because that's when I first saw it. In my mind, he's in a tunnel, and then he's in a dingy bathroom. I always thought it was like, a tunnel bathroom? But I don't think that makes yeah. sense.
8: No, that doesn't make sense. Think... They do have those, though. If you go in the subway, there's like little do- the doors for the people that work there huh. and that huh. live there. So,
1: and also we're learning something. And we're yeah. learning something. Next nominee, Rudy Giuliani trying to masturbate in front of Borat.
8: Here's a pickle. Di-
1: <laughs> the restraint to not have pressed the laugh button <laughs> yeah, at that hard. exact moment. Right there.
8: The <laughs> smattering applause. There's, you know... Um, did he try to masturbate in front of Borat or was it like it's, just the whole Borat
1: moment I think it's that he was he was laying down to take his pants down and involve his his microphone his microphone uh, well I an- do
8: think it would be a really opportune for us to come up with like you know everybody who's masturbating now has to be like don't open the door I'm adjusting my microphone if you know what I mean <laughs> I'm going to call it that. Don't
1: come in here. I'm doing an interview (laughs) with a young journalist from abroad.
8: If you know what I mean.
1: If you know what I mean. Don't
8: lock in on John right now. He's tucking in his shirt.
1: Next nominee Rudy Giuliani farting several times during testimony. What?
8: Oh, that was you, John.
1: (gasps) That is, you know what? That is the first time, and I pray the last, that you use this soundboard malignantly
8: literally what's maliciously like, I don't know what you're talking about john <laughs> honestly
1: <laughs> for those listening there's a practical joke afoot there's a prankster you all- <laughs> as if that one was real
8: <laughs> that was just my mouth
1: <laughs> there's a we got a johnny knoxville on our hands here all right r.i.p
8: it sucks that that no, happened okay. in twenty twenty because honestly, if it had happened in another era in which people weren't putting fart noises very, you can easily put a fart noise anywhere you want. I can do it right now. Yeah. I can be like, <laughs> "What's up?" And <laughs> that now one, that 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 was
1: <laughs> one, that one um was like a was a longer file. That once that one lingered.
8: Yeah, that's a big wave file. <laughs> it took a minute to upload. So it sucks because like if it happened in the fifties, it'd be like great. Because we'd get it on tape, and we'd be like, oh, my God, he did it. But so many people were like, is that real or not that we don't even really know?
1: I believe it. I believe it because I trust the reporter who first shared it, and I believe he was as stunned the truth, as the rest of us.
8: The truth is out there. I want to believe.
1: Trust the, I trust the institution. And finally, last nominee, Rudy Giuliani's press conference at Four Seasons Total Landscaping. no. See, it's a, there's a lot. There's a number of very... Jesus. It's a competitive category. It's, it's a competitive category.
8: And if I don't choose right, I'm never going to work again. <laughs> so it's tough. Um, all right, I'm putting the reverb back on.
1: Do you want me to run you through the nominees once more? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's
8: run through the nominees.
1: We have Rudy Giuliani's hair leaking on the side of his face. We have Rudy Giuliani adjusting his microphone for Bora. We have Rudy Giuliani uh, experiencing flatulence in a committee hearing. We have Rudy Giuliani's press conference... At four seasons, total landscaping,
8: and, and the golden, golden penguin, penguin goes to.
1: Now you're just doing folio effects. Now you're now you got two coconut shells and it's a horse.
8: Rudy, Rudy Giuliani's, Giuliani's dye job leaking. <laughs> wow, they really came out first for that
1: one. Damn, that was huge big audience, <laughs> <You> guys. <Wow.
8: laughs> and I say that knowing four seasons, total landscaping was the. The, the, the goof, goof of, of the year, year of the year in, year in a lot, of, a lot ways, of ways but we know that there's so many other people involved that's right in that goof that's right that it might not be his fault but we know we know the shoe dye was him we know that the yeah. hair dye was him we know there was a bottle and it said wait an hour before going <laughs> sweating out sweating
1: profusely <laughs>
8: please don't do this right before you go on camera it said it so specifically that it's almost like why did they think they had to say that but they are like somebody's do not- gonna do it it said, "Rudy, Rudy,
1: give it an hour."
8: Say you're a disgraced mayor, for instance. You're like, "Wow, this is some specific."
1: <laughs> it's called just for Rudy.
8: <laughs> oh, he felt so special. All
1: you had to do was press the laugh button. You had what? You could have just pressed the laugh button right there. It was so. I was waiting. I was so hopeful.
8: I'll cue you up again. Uh, I mean, what would they even call that? What, what, what are you gonna mean? call a
1: bottle of that? Call call a bottle of uh, hair dye, just for Rudy.
8: Oh, it was a thinker. Thinker. For some reason. <laughs> it Why a thinker. Think about it? They're
1: just filing <laughs> it. Alice Wetterlin, <laughs> this was an unalloyed delight. <laughs> Always so good to see you.
8: So good to see you too, John. Thank you for having me. I love this segment. And I love this show. And I love you. I love you too. Give money to John Ossoff. He needs it. Raphael Warnock's doing great. I'm just kidding. Everybody, give money to everybody. Always, <laughs> all the time. One more dollar.
1: Don't stop giving.
8: What have you given today? One more dollar.
1: Always be giving. Alice Wetterland, thank you so much. When we come back, I don't know, someone else. And finally, here to present our last award, you know him, you love him, comedian, writer, actor, returning champion, Guy Branham. Thank you for having me. It's always great to have you. We always love seeing you here. What is this voice? What do you mean? That I'm doing. I'm doing a a voice of some kind. It's always nice to see you, Guy. Thank you so much for being here.
9: I think you're pivoting to respectability. You understand that there is a place for LGBTQIA individuals Mm -hmm. in the cabinet now, and you're saying, hey, I could run Veterans Affairs.
1: I, I could be a Commerce Secretary. Uh, first of all, yes and yes, absolutely. I make a ton of sense for Veterans Affairs. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, although I will say, you'd think if, yeah, no, no, it's exciting. It's exciting. We're gay cabinet secretaries, Mayor Pete, you know, Secretary Mayor Pete, it's happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, there are people on Twitter that performatively dislike Uh, Mayor Pete I think some people have real feelings some people want to impress people Mm -hmm. by proving their their bona fides if you will on transportation it's one of those issues where there's actually space like transportation secretary as a job is odd right because it's an agency that oversees like the FAA and like the Federal Highway Administration like there's a lot of like big kind of meaty independent departments but there's an opportunity for a transportation secretary to like make it their life's mission, obviously to refocus the department on climate, but also to figure out why projects in America cost so much. Yeah. And they can like decide they can decide to use the power to convene the like the kind of if, the 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 um the soft power, if you will, of the transportation job to like bring people together, find best practices, talk to people in other countries and like begin to figure out why building things in the United States cost so much money because there's nothing we want to do as a country. There's nothing we want to do in terms of mass transit, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of climate that we can do effectively if every time we build an exit on a bridge, it costs 10 times as much as it would in France or Spain, places that have worker protections, places that have environmental protections. I mean, it's it's just so hard because infrastructure is that answer
9: that could be giving us jobs and skilled labor jobs. You know, like when we're talking about like work and like the economics of America, what we so frequently forget is it is these dudes and ladies who did not go to college, but are willing to work very, very hard and have a lot of understanding about the things that they do who are out there and, and don't have the, the work that they need to feel valuable and to, to be part of this economy. And it like, it is such an exciting thing. It's also a part of our government that shuts down every time in many ways, every time a Republican gets elected and somebody's wife gets appointed secretary of transportation to like provide, and I'm not just talking about Elaine, I'm also talking about Liddy Dole, like um, that it's not something that Republicans care about in sort of like a centralized federal kind of way. And, uh, you know, having like infinite different projects, the fact that San Francisco alone has, like, four competing public transportation <laughs> systems isn't efficient. Like, and I think Mayor Pete and his fucking Norwegian and his Italian and his willingness to go granular with things could be very good. But mostly I'm just worried about Chaston becoming a doyen of Georgetown. Just our next- <laughs> No, I'm excited Katie for him.
1: <laughs> him. I'm excited for him. Yes, that's what we need. And I'll say this, too. Look- Mayor Pete Buttigieg, soon to be Secretary Pete Buttigieg, that guy wants to be president. Do you know how good a secretary of transportation you need to be to become president? Okay, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. I think
9: if he wants to be taken seriously in national politics, he got to show us that he can flip Indiana. Now, part of me wonders if he uses... This transportation gig as an opportunity to do something one of your former employeresses did. And when they're done, move to a nice New York, move to a nice California, oh, and fucking carpet bag. But I think that mother, uh, am I allowed to say motherfucker? I won't say motherfucker. Sure. I think that motherfucker has to go back to fucking Indiana, to fucking South Bend, and talk about corn and pigs. And get those people to vote blue like they have many times before, before he gets to show his face in Iowa once again.
1: Well, Guy Branham has laid down the gauntlet, uh, and it's there for you to pick up, Mayor Pete. I mean, I would say of all of the people um, on your podcast network, on all of Crooked Media...
9: It is the non-practicing lawyer who mostly writes for ladies sitcoms, who is providing that cogent analysis of national politics that people should be
1: listening to. What Vitor says, who cares? Go to Branham. Go to Branham. If, if you want to stay in touch with uh, rural Indiana, <laughs> <laughs> you want to you wanna go with the coastal lawyer <laughs> whose most recent book Had him in a toga with a rose tiara on his head because he knows what makes people tick all across this land.
9: I mean, I would say I have touched pigs in like the 95th percentile of Crooked Media guests. I would say the amount of pig
1: touching I have done is up there. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But that's not why you're here, guy. Obviously, we go to you to understand farming in the Midwest, but that's not why you're here today. You're here to present our last award, the big one, the Rudy Giuliani Prize for Person Who Had the Worst Year That Isn't Rudy Giuliani, (laughs) all right? I'm going to read you the list of nominees, and then you will decide the winner of this Quarantine Choice Award. Oh, wow. The responsibility. Who will receive the Golden Pangolin? (laughs) It's well, up you to know,
9: you. Like um, Valerie Cherish always said the People's Choice Award meant the most because it came from the people. And I think mm-hmm. that um, the, the cor- uh, what do they it The quarantine
1: uh, No, uh, well, you know, listen, here's the problem. We were going to call them the Pandemies, but then The Daily Show did the Pandemies. So we ended up with the Quarantine Choice Awards. I think we can call them the Pangies because you get a pangolin. Quarantine Choice is great. I like Quarantine's Choice. Um, the Quarantine's
9: Choice is really the best, second best award because it comes from the people you book. You know, it comes from <laughs> celebrities who were chosen by your producers.
1: Yep, that's right. That's right. In conversation with the host.
9: In conversation with the host. <laughs> At this point in time, it's all about norms. It's all about us maintaining norms. Fucking Amy Coney Barrett got her shit together and did not let there be a coup. And I think that the quarantine choice similarly have to shew to our
1: obligation to democracy and the values of our society. I 100% 100 agree with that. I think that that was such a smart point. Thank you so much. Here are the nominees. Share your thoughts as we go, Guy. This Mm -hmm. is a collaborative process as well. The nominees are J.K. Rowling. You really have to respect J.K. Rowling because she made this year for herself.
9: Like, everything was going fine. A generation of people loved her. She's richer than the queen. And yet she managed to turn this entire year into a shit show by just deciding to be as mean as possible to trans people. And like, also let's be fair, what the fuck is going on in England or Great Britain generally that like so
1: many of their big names are just like, why don't I shit on trans people? Like it's a national passion. It's a national passion. It's had real consequences for trans kids. It's awful. It's the bigotry that she obviously holds. It's her conviction in it, right? This is not ignorance. She has done the work. She has done the research to decide to hold this bigoted view and to espouse it and make it so central to what she discusses at a moment of when there is Brexit, when there's an economic crisis, when there's a pandemic, when there's so much more important, when there's a racial reckoning unfolding, when there's so many big things happening. And like her
9: publicists have wheedled her out for years and she just keeps making more shit happen As so many people have pointed out, you're the lady who's constantly transforming things and people are going on magical journeys and finding themselves like so many trans children and adults have loved the world she imagined because it seemed to have more of a place for people like them. And to be so like baldly excluding them makes me even
1: more mad. Well, I think she was like, oh my gosh, did you read this as a story about... Anyone can discover that they have gifts that they can reveal to those that are willing to see them because that's a misread. <laughs> it's actually about adults sorting children into permanent classes. <laughs> that was the goal. Uh, next nominee is Jeffrey Tubin.
9: I mean, again, I would say, well, J.K. Rowling really represents um, like work towards having a terrible year. Jeffrey Tubin shows us that if you just follow your passions, you can truly destroy your life. Like, I mean, like the guy who was synonymous with the Supreme Court, who had written like our official books on it, who wrote the book that the, the OJ TV movie that we all loved was based on, like, he had such a fucking lane... And he could have stayed in that fucking lane and maintained a beautiful life while, like, our establishment press crumbles around him. And instead, but instead, he had the passion to be more 2020
1: than I would say just about anyone else. And whack it well on Zoom. It sounds to me like what you're saying is that uh, when it comes to scandal, uh, J.K. Rowling worked hard and Jeffrey Tubin played hard. Absolutely. Uh, next nominee, it's Herman Cain. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes with the uh, it sort of speaks for itself i will say um there's <laughs> a joke we did on love it or leave it. it might be a travis special which i think of now all the time whenever i see a big group of people gathering without masks at like a republican event and it's uh win a chance to meet herman cain <laughs> uh next <laughs> next nominee it's mr peanut wait what happened to mr peanut he also died That was a scandal from another
9: era. Yes. Here's the thing about Herman Cain is that, like, it's all math. Every time you see them having these gatherings or, like, doing a cocktail party at um, the White House, it's like a tabletop role-playing game where you really are just like, who's going to roll under? Who's going to roll under their health? Um, Yeah. And, you know, there were moments when the president was at Walter Reed when we were all like, how's this going to turn out? And, you know, it is like what a what a rough game for Herman Cain um, that he was of all of the folks who have uh, come down with COVID, uh, the one who managed to uh, roll a critical fail, as it were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, he definitely uh, came up sevens, came up sevens. Um, Well, those are your nominees. J.K. Rowling, Jeffrey Tubin, Herman Cain, and Mr. Peanut, who do you believe deserves the Rudy Giuliani prize for a person who had the worst year that isn't Rudy Giuliani?
9: Okay. Here's what I'll say about Mr. Peanut. To me, he is excluded almost immediately because while he did die this year and while our focus on like other more important things may have obscured his death early in the year, this was a real year for non-perishable sources of protein.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. March and
9: April, we were stockpiling. We were, um, you know, forcing supermarkets to, uh, like, put things over their bulk bins. And I would say, as somebody who comes from a nut farming area, it was a good year for nuts and legumes generally. And so, not him. Herman Cain, I would say, it was an iconic presence. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it Mm -hmm. really was... The, the bad year to be having this year, but also... Yes. Uh, one feels terrible in any way feeling satisfaction about that. Um So for me, it's really about Tubin and JK. Here's what I'll say mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Tubin. Really have to wonder what his 2021 is going to look like.
1: That's a really good point. That's a really good point. That de- Deciding how bad his 2020 is will actually depend on what happens to him in 2021.
9: To me... There's this interesting mm-hmm. pivot point where does Jeffrey Tubin start an OnlyFans? We've had so many like B and A minus list actors start an OnlyFans where you have access to them. Italy famous for electing porn stars to their Senate and that sort of thing. And I'm just wondering, what if like an established member of our New York uh, chattering classes? We're just willing to whack it on OnlyFans for like three ninety nine a month. I like that's that's how much I pay to get. I pay more than that to get through the paywall of the Washington Post to read shitty op eds about how Dr. Jill Biden shouldn't call yeah. herself Dr. <laughs> Jill Biden. To have somebody whack it while telling me like medium good takes about the Supreme Court session.
1: Yes, <laughs> I pay. I pay more to watch David Brooks masturbate in the Times twice a week. <laughs> Sorry, I was just, I picked somebody. I was just, picked somebody.
9: Where I really think, and I think I am coming down, that, like, JK has crested. Like, JK has really come to a point where no one, I mean, it was honestly, it's kind of done us a favor, because, like, making a cute little Harry Potter joke was a hack source of jokes in a lot of television Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, movie mm -hmm, that we were all mm -hmm. getting pretty fucking tired of. That's right. We're now at the point where no one wants to talk about it, no one wants to deal with it. She's clearly showed herself to be a hateful enough person to override whatever literary merit there was in uh, her books that were good. There's also Kremlinology that her books that are bad, her weird pseudonymous whatever, mystery novels are like named after some ancient anti-trans person um which is just like that's
1: intense oh no we need a decision i don't
9: think she has shit left to give us i'm gonna say jk rowling like you had the worst 2020 of everyone short of really rudy giuliani
1: um thank you guy uh he has awarded the golden pangolin Statue to jk rowling oh i'm getting just hearing this uh from the judges it's going to ruth bader ginsburg guy branham thank you so much <laughs> oh, i'm sorry I'm sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) If
9: only she'd had a different 2013, you know, if she had just adjusted (laughs) her 2013, could have been a better 2020.
1: I don't agree with what Guy just said. I don't agree with what Guy just said. I don't agree with what Guy just said. Guy Brown, everybody. Bye. That's it. The first and hopefully last Quarantine Choice Awards. Thank you to all of our guests who joined to help us determine who would win the Golden Pangolin Prizes. When we come back, let's end on a high note.
7: Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way.
1: And we're back because we all need it this week and this year. Here it is, the last high note of 2020.
3: Hey, Levitt, this is Dawn from Seattle. I just wanted to tell you about my high note for this week. I work in medical and our director and his wife usually have
8: a big party that they pay for out of their pocket because we're a public institution. And obviously, that can't happen because of COVID this year. And they
3: took all the money that they would have spent on the party and put it into the food banks in the Seattle community. I just think
8: that's a super high note, and I hope you have a great day. Hello, love it. This is Elizabeth in North Carolina. And my high note of the week is that because our semester ended before Thanksgiving this year... My roommate and I had time to make handmade Christmas cards for all of our loved ones, which usually can't happen because we have finals going on in December. So we had a lot of fun doing it, and it just made the holiday season feel a little better this year. Thanks for
3: everything you do. Um, have a great week. Hi, John. Kristen, Tacoma, Washington. And my high note for the week is a literal note uh, because tonight was our seven-year-old son's winter piano recital. Um, he's only been taking piano lessons since January of this year, and his summer recital was essentially recorded at home on a practice keyboard because of our COVID lockdowns. Uh, and so uh, tonight um, he was able to take the stage in front of an audience of his parents and his little sister and his music teacher um, and play on this beautiful um, studio grand piano. Um, and he's playing a solo that he's worked very hard on for the last four months and all day he was really nervous um, and worried about stage fright and worried about essentially not being able to finish the piece and he gets up there and he absolutely kills it on the first take and the look of joy on his face um, when he finished couldn't make me prouder. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it um, and so in a year that he's essentially been ripped away from his friends and his classmates and really seen nobody but his parents and his little sister all year long. Um, he's worked really hard um, all year using piano practice as kind of his, his steadying force through the year. Um, and he finally got um, his time in the spotlight that he truly deserves. So love the show. Thanks for everything you do. Have a great night.
2: John. Hi, this is Cheska calling from rural northwest Montana, where
3: I work at a regional hospital. And the highlight of my week is when the FDA advisory committee uh, voted and they gave the
2: green light for the Pfizer vaccine. About an hour later, my hospital sent a survey monkey to employees um, asking who wanted to get the vaccine. And I can't tell you how relieved I was as a frontline healthcare worker who works with COVID patients
3: to see that survey
2: monkey. And it was the quickest survey I've ever done. I can't wait to get the vaccine. Um, thank you so much for the show. I listen to it every Saturday makes my day. Bye. Uh, hi, love it. Um, this is Emily in Los Angeles. My high note this week and every week is the fact that, uh, Emily's Garden Show has become the most popular segment in the history of Love It or Leave It, and I just want you to know that you should feel really proud of your minor contribution to the success of the show. And I just thought, if you want to really end the year on a high note, um, I would love for you to listen back to the highlights of your show this year, as specifically this one clip.
1: I'm John Lovett and you gotta know I love Emily's Garden Show nothing has ever been so good as emily's garden vote
2: yes can we put some that's my new ringtone hey, put some
1: put some uh just that up put some echo on that bad boy yeah wait a second
2: how did how did emily
1: that's not how this is supposed to work this is my show this is my show that is why it is because of things like this that i did not tell emily that her emily's garden show merch outsold (laughs) love it or leave it merch. All right. I didn't want her to know that because it's going to her head. She's taken over the show segment by segment. Have a great holiday, everybody. Thank you so much to Emily Heller, Sam Park, Michaela Watkins, Louis Fertel, Alice Wetterland, Guy Branham, Akilah Hughes, and everyone who called in. There are 17 days until the Georgia Senate runoff. Go to votesaveamerica.com to help. Have a great weekend. Have a great holiday. Have a great start to the new year. And thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for getting through this year. Thank you for helping us win this election. And let's hope 2021 looks a lot better than 2020. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, Elisa Gutierrez, Lee Eisenberg, our head writer, and the person whose gender reveal party started the fire, Travis Helwig. Jocelyn Kaufman, Pulavi Gunalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Our assistant producer is Sydney Rapp. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Jamie Skeel, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast, and to our digital producers, Nar Melkonian and Milo Kim, for filming and editing video each week so you can. It's love it
4: or leave it. You
0: can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel.